Chapter 15 of Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume 2, by Arthur L. Hayward. Chapter 15 The Lives of Edward Burnworth alias Frazier, William Blewett, Thomas Berry, Emmanuel Dickinson, William Marjoram, John Higgs, etc., robbers, footpads, housebreakers, and murderers. Part 2 As we have already related the particulars of this story, we shall not take up our reader's time in mentioning them again, but go on with the story of Burnworth upon suspicion of his being the projector of that enterprise the keepers removed him into the bilbo room and there loaded him with irons leaving him by himself to lament the miseries of his misspent life in the solitude of his wretched confinement yet nothing could break the wicked stubbornness of his temper which as it had led him to those practices justly punished with so straight a confinement so it now urged him continually to force his way through all opposition and thereby regain his liberty in order to practice more villainies of the same sort with those in which he had hitherto spent his time it is impossible to say how but by some method or other he had procured saws files and other instruments for this purpose with these he first released himself from his irons then broke through the wall of the room in which he was lodged and thereby got into the women's apartment the window of which was fortified with three tier of iron bars upon these he went immediately to work and in a little time forced one of them while he was filing the next one of the women to ingratiate herself with the keepers gave notice whereupon they came immediately and dragged him back to the condemned hold and there stapled him down to the ground the course of our memoirs leads us now to say something of the rest of his companions who in a very short space came most of them to be collected to share that punishment which the law had so justly appointed for their crimes we will begin then with william blewett who next to Fraser, was the chief person in the gang he was one of st giles breed his father a porter and his mother at the time of his execution selling greens in the same parish they were both of them unable to give their son education or otherwise provide for him which occasioned his being put out by the parish to a perfumer of gloves but his temper from his childhood inclining him to wicked practices he soon got himself into a gang of young pickpockets with whom he practised several years with impunity but being at last apprehended in the very act he was committed to newgate and on plain proof convicted the next sessions and ordered for transportation being shipped on board the vessel with other wretches in the same condition he was quickly let into the secret of their having provided for an escape by procuring saws 
files and other implements put up in a little barrel which they pretended contained gingerbread and such other little presents which were given them by relations blewett immediately foresaw abundance of difficulties in their design and therefore resolved to make a sure use of it for his own advantage this he did by communicating all he knew to the captain who thereupon immediately seized their tools and thereby prevented the loss of his ship which otherwise in all probability would have been effected by the conspirators in return for this service blewett obtained his freedom which did not serve him for any better purpose than his return to london as soon as he was able whether he went again upon his old practices before he was apprehended we cannot determine but before he had continued two months in town somebody seized him and committed him to newgate at the next sessions he was tried and convicted for returning from transportation but pleading when he received sentence of death the service he had done in preventing the attempt of the other malefactors execution was respited until the return of the captain and on his report the sentence was changed into a new transportation and leave given him also to go to what foreign port he would but he no sooner regained his liberty than he put it to the same use as before and took up the trade of snatching hats wigs etc until he got into acquaintance with burnworth and his gang who taught him other methods of robbing than he had hitherto practised like most of the unhappy people of his sort he had to his other crimes added the marriage of several wives of which the first was reputed a very honest and modest woman and it seems had so great a love for him notwithstanding the wickedness of his behaviour that upon her visiting him at newgate the day before they set out for kingston she was oppressed with so violent a grief as to fall down dead in the lodge another of his wives married emmanuel dickinson and survived them both his meeting burnworth that afternoon before ball's murder was accidental but the savageness of his temper led him to a quick compliance with that wicked proposition but after the commission of that fact he with his companions before mentioned went over in the packet-boat to holland guilt is a companion which never suffers rest to enter any bosom where it inhabits they were so uneasy after their arrival there lest an application should be made from the government at home that they were constantly perusing the english newspapers as they came over to the coffee-houses in rotterdam that they might gain intelligence of what advertisements rewards or other methods had been taken to apprehend the persons concerned in ball's murder resolving on the first news of a proclamation or other interposition of the state on that occasion immediately to quit the dominions of the republic but as burnworth had been betrayed by the only persons from whom he could reasonably hope assistance higgs seized on board a ship where he fancied himself secure from all searches so blewett and his associates though they daily endeavoured to acquaint themselves with the transactions at london relating to them fell also into the hands of justice when they least expected it 
so equal are the decrees of providence and so inevitable the strokes of divine vengeance the proclamation for apprehending them came no sooner to the hands of mr finch the british resident at the hague but he immediately caused an enquiry to be made whether any such persons as were therein described had been seen at rotterdam being assured that there had and that they were lodged at the hamburg's arms on the boom keys in that city he sent away a special messenger to enquire the truth thereof of which he was no sooner satisfied than he procured an order from the states-general for apprehending them anywhere within the province by virtue of this order the messenger with the assistance of the proper officers for that purpose in holland apprehended blewett at the house whither they had been directed his two companions dickinson and berry had left him and were gone aboard a ship not caring to remain any longer in holland they conducted their prisoner to the stadt house prison in rotterdam and then went to the brill where the ship on board which his companions were not being cleared out they surprised them also and having handcuffed them sent them under a strong guard to rotterdam where they put them in the same place with their old associate blewett we shall now therefore take an opportunity of speaking of each of them and acquainting the reader with those steps by which they arose to that unparalleled pitch of wickedness which rendered them alike the wonder and detestation of all the sober part of mankind emmanuel dickinson was the son of a very worthy person whose memory i shall be very careful not to stain upon this occasion the lad was ever wild and ungovernable in his temper and being left a child at his father's death himself his brother and several sisters were thrown all upon the hands of their mother who was utterly unable to support them in those extravagancies to which they were inclined whereupon they unfortunately addicted themselves to such evil courses as to them seemed likely to provide such a supply of money as might enable them to take such licentious pleasures as were suitable to their vicious inclinations the natural consequence of which was that they all fell under misfortunes especially emmanuel of whom we are speaking who addicted himself to picking of pockets and such kind of facts for a considerable space at last attempting to snatch a gentleman's hat off in the strand he was seized with it in his hand and committed to newgate and at the next sessions convicted and ordered for transportation but his mother applying at court for a pardon and setting forth the merit of his father procured his discharge the only use he made of this was to associate himself with his old companions who by degrees led him into greater villainies than any he had till that time been concerned in and at last falling under the direction of burnworth he was with the rest drawn into the murder of ball after this he followed blewett's advice and not thinking himself safe even in holland he and berry as has been said were actually on shipboard in order to their departure 
Thomas Berry was a beggar, if not a thief, from his cradle, descended from parents in the most wretched circumstances, who, being incapable of giving him an honest education, suffered him, on the contrary, to idle about the streets, and to get into such gangs of thieves and pickpockets as taught him from his infancy the arts of diving, as they in their cant call it. And as he grew in years, they still brought him on to a greater proficiency in such evil practices, in which, however, he did not always meet with impunity. For, besides getting into the little prisons about town, and being whipped several times at the houses of correction, he had also been thrice in Newgate, and for the last fact convicted and ordered for transportation. However, by some means or other, he got away from the ship, and returned quickly to his old employment, in which he had not continued long before falling into the acquaintance of Burnworth. It brought him first to the commission of a cruel murder, and after that, with great justice, to suffer an ignominious death. Having been thus particular on the circumstances of each malefactor distinctly, let us return to the thread of our story, and observe to what period their wicked designs and lawless courses brought them at the last. After they were all three secured and safe confined in Rotterdam, the resident dispatched an account thereof to England, whereupon he received directions for applying to the States-General for leave to send them back. This was readily granted, and six soldiers were ordered to attend them on board, besides the messengers who were sent to fetch them. Captain Samuel Taylor, in the Delight Sloop, brought them safe to the Nore, where they were met by two other messengers who assisted in taking charge of them up the river. In the midst of all the miseries they suffered, and the certainty they had of being doomed to suffer much more, as soon as they came on shore, yet they behaved themselves with the greatest gaiety imaginable, were full of their jests, and showed as much pleasantness as if their circumstances had been the most happy. Observing a press-gang very busy on the water, and that the people in the boat shunned them with great care, they treated them with the most opprobrious language, and impudently dared the lieutenant to come and press them for the service. On their arrival at the tower, they were put into a boat with the messengers, with three other boats to guard them, each of which was filled with a corporal and a file of musketeers, and in this order they were brought to Westminster. After being examined before Justice Chalk and Justice Blackerby, they were all three put into a coach, and conducted by a party of foot-guards to Newgate, through a continued line of spectators, who, by their loud huzzas, proclaimed their joy at seeing these egregious villains in the hands of justice, for they, like Jonathan Wilde, were so wicked as to lose the compassion of the mob. On their arrival at Newgate, the keepers expressed a very great satisfaction, and, having put on each a pair of the heaviest irons in the jail, and 
taken such other precautions as they thought necessary for securing them they next did them the honour of conducting them upstairs to their old friend edward burnworth having congratulated them on their safe arrival and they condoled with him on his confinement they took their places near him and had the convenience of the same apartment and were shackled in the like manner they did not appear to show the least sign of contrition or remorse for what they had done on the contrary they spent their time with all the indifference imaginable great numbers of people had the curiosity to come to newgate to see them and blewitt upon all occasions made use of every opportunity to excite their charity alleging they had been robbed of everything when they were seized burnworth with an air of indifference replied damn this blewitt because he had got a long wig and ruffled shirt he takes the liberty to talk more than any of us being exhorted to apply the little time they had to live in preparing themselves for another world burnworth replied that if they had any inclination to think of a future state it was impossible in their condition so many persons as were admitted to come to view them in their present circumstances must needs divert any good thoughts but their minds were totally taken up with consulting the most likely means to make their escape and extricate themselves from the bolts and shackles with which they were clogged and encumbered and indeed all their actions showed their thoughts were bent only on enlargement and that they were altogether unmindful of death or at least careless of the future consequence thereof on wednesday the thirtieth of march seventeen twenty six burnworth blewitt berry dickinson levy and higgs were all put into a wagon handcuffed and chained and carried to kingston under a guard of the duke of bolton's horse at their coming out of newgate they were very merry charging the guard to take care that no misfortune happened to them and called upon the numerous crowd of spectators both at their getting into the wagon and afterwards as they passed along the road to show their respect they bore them by hallowing and to pay them the compliments due to gentlemen of their profession and called for several bottles of wine that they might drink to their good journey as they passed along the road they endeavoured to show themselves very merry and pleasant by their facetious discourse to the spectators and frequently threw money amongst the people who followed them diverting themselves with seeing the others strive for it and particularly blew it having thrown out some halfpence amongst the mob a little boy who was present picked up one of them and calling out to blewitt told him that as sure as he the said blewitt would be condemned at kingston so sure would he have his name engraved thereon whereupon blewitt took a shilling out of his pocket and gave it to the boy telling him there was something towards defraying the charge of engraving and bid him be as good as his word which he promised he would on the thirty-first of march the assizes were opened 
together with the commission of oyer and terminer and jail delivery for the county of surrey before the right honourable the lord chief justice raymond and mr justice denton and the grand jury having found indictments against the prisoners they were severally arraigned thereupon when five of them pleaded not guilty burnworth absolutely refused to plead at all upon which after being advised by the judge not to force the court upon that rigour which they were unwilling at any time to practise and he still continued obstinate his thumbs as is usual in such cases were tied and strained with pack-thread this having no effect upon him the sentence of the press or as it is sailed in law of the penforte et dure was read to him in these words you shall go to the place from whence you came and there being stripped naked and laid flat upon your back on the floor with a napkin about your middle to hide your privy members and a cloth on your face then the press is to be laid upon you with as much weight as or rather more than you can bear you are to have three morsels of barley bread in twenty-four hours a draught of water from the next puddle near the jail but not running water the second day two morsels and the same water with an increase of weight and so to the third day until you expire this sentence thus passed upon him and he still continuing contumacious he was carried down to the stock-house and the press laid upon him which he bore for the space of one hour and three minutes under the weight of three hundred three-quarters and two pounds four hundred twenty-four pounds whilst he continued under the press he endeavoured to beat out his brains against the floor during which time the high sheriff himself was present and frequently exhorted him to plead to the indictment this at last he consented to do and being brought up to the court after a trial which lasted from eight in the morning until one in the afternoon on the first day of april they were all six found guilty of the indictment and being remanded back to the stock-house were all chained and stapled down to the floor whilst they were under conviction the terrors of death did not make any impression upon them they diverted themselves with repeating jests and stories of various natures particularly of the manner of their escapes before out of the hands of justice and the robberies and offences they had committed and it being proposed for the satisfaction of the world for them to leave the particulars of the several robberies by them committed burnworth replied that were he to write all the robberies by him committed a hundred sheets of paper write as close as could be would not contain them notwithstanding what had been alleged by higgs of his forsaking his companions in the field it appeared by other evidence that he followed his companions to ball's house and was seen hovering about the house during the time the murder was committed with a pistol in his hand as for burnworth after conviction his behaviour was as ludicrous as ever and being as i said a painter's son 
he had some little notion of designing and therewith diverted himself in sketching his own picture in several forms particularly as he lay under the press this being engraved in copper was placed in the frontispiece of a sixpenny book which was published of his life and the rest seemed to fall no way short of him in that silly contempt of death which with the vulgar passes for resolution on monday the fourth day of april they were brought up again from the stockhouse to receive sentence of death before he passed it upon them mr justice denton made a very pathetic speech in which he represented to them the necessity there was of punishing crimes like theirs with death and exhorted them not to be more cruel to themselves than they had obliged the law to be severe towards them by squandering away the small remainder of their time and thereby adding to an ignominious end an eternal punishment hereafter when sentence was passed they entreated leave for their friends to visit them in the prison which was granted them by the court but with a strict injunction to the keeper to be careful over them after they returned to the prison they bent their thought wholly on making their escape and to that purpose sent to their friends and procured proper implements for the execution of it burnworth's mother being surprised with several files etc about her and the whole plot discovered by blewett's mother who was heard to say that she had forgot the opium it seems the scheme was to murder the two persons who attended them in the jail together with mr elliot the turnkey after they had got out they intended to have fired a slack of bavins firewood adjoining to the prison and thereby amused the inhabitants while they got clear off burnworth's mother was confined for this attempt in his favour and some lesser implements that were sewed up in the waistband of their breeches being ripped out all hopes whatsoever of escape were now taken away yet burnworth affected to keep up the same spirit with which he had hitherto behaved and talked in a rodomontade to one of his guard of coming in the night in a dark entry and pulling him by the nose if he did not see him decently buried about ten of the clock on wednesday morning together with one blackburn who was condemned for robbing on the highway a fellow grossly ignorant and stupid they were carried out in a cart to their execution being attended by a company of foot to the gallows in their passage thither that audacious carriage in which they had so long persisted totally forsook them and they all appeared with all that seriousness and devotion which might be looked for from persons in their condition blewett perceiving one mr warwick among the spectators desired that he might stop to speak to him which being granted he threw himself upon his knees and earnestly entreated his pardon for having once attempted his life by presenting a pistol at him upon suspicion that mr warwick knowing what his profession was had given information against him when at the place of execution and tied up blewett and dickinson especially prayed with great fervour and with a becoming earnestness 
exhorted all the young persons they saw near them to take warning by them and not follow such courses as might in time bring them to so terrible an end blewett acknowledged that for sixteen years last past he had lived by stealing and pilfering only he had given all the clothes he had to his mother but being informed that he was to be hung in chains he desired his mother might return them to prevent his being put up in his shirt he then desired the executioner to tie him up so that he might be as soon out of his pain as possible then he said the penitential psalm and repeated the words of it to the other criminals then they all kissed one another and after some private devotions the cart drew away and they were turned off dickinson died very hard kicking off one of his shoes and loosing the other their bodies were carried back under the same guard which attended them to their execution burnworth and blewett were afterwards hung in chains over against the sign of the fighting cocks in st george's fields dickinson and berry were hung up on kennington common but the sheriff of surrey had orders at the same time to suffer his relations to take down the body of dickinson in order to be interred after its hanging up one day which favor was granted on account of his father's service in the army who was killed at his post in the late war levy and higgs were hung up on putney common beyond wandsworth which is all we have to add concerning these hardened malefactors who so long defied the justice of their country and are now to the joy of all honest people placed as spectacles for the warning of their companions who frequent the places where they are hung in chains End of chapter 15, part 2. Recording by Linda Johnson.